This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Follow Buck on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Team, welcome to the Freedom Hunt. We have a lot to get to. Biden takes a loud and bizarre victory lap on his chaotic retreat. The CDC wants 80 million unvaccinated individuals to stay home over Labor Day. A Texas abortion restriction goes into effect. A woman is busted for fake vaccine cards on travel to Hawaii. And Virginia Tech kicks out 134 students for being unvaccinated. We'll get into all of that in just a moment. But first, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation helps us keep our commitment to never forget. And this year, the foundation is honoring Gold Star and fallen first responder families with young children and catastrophically injured veterans and first responders with 200 mortgage-free homes. Chairman and CEO Frank Siller is paying tribute to the fallen by walking from the Pentagon to Shanksville and on to Ground Zero. That's more than 500 miles through six states in 42 days, the month of August through 9-11. Towers of Light are to shine at the Pentagon and Shanksville memorials in remembrance. The names of those we lost to 9-11-related illness are being read aloud at a ceremony on September 12th. And on Veterans Day, the names of those we lost in the war on terror will also be said out loud. Do good and help America never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org, T2T.org. There was a lot of yelling in the Biden speech yesterday. He was yelling the whole time, from what I could tell, trying to project strength after an ignominious retreat from Afghanistan, a chaotic withdrawal. And they're already spinning this. This is a victory. This is where you start to draw upon Orwell, right? This is where language no longer has the meaning you think it does. In fact, language, according to the elites, according to the people in charge, means the opposite of what you and I think it does. This was not a poor leadership performance. It was a great leadership performance. It was a victory. It was bravery. It was strategic brilliance, not stupidity. This was great for America, Biden wants you to know. Yeah, sure, there were a few problems here and there, but it was the biggest airlift in history. This is quite a bit like saying after you've run the Titanic into an iceberg, we were amazing getting to those lifeboats, which I've been saying now for over a week. And I'm hearing this same analogy used in other places, I think, because it's so apt. But man, we got to those lifeboats fast. Now, you could say, but Buck, we were eventually going to hit an iceberg no matter what to that. I'd say, OK, but. If perhaps we had gotten to them, uh, if, if perhaps we had gotten to lifeboats in a more expeditious fashion, more orderly, we would have been able to get more people to safety. We left 100 plus Americans behind who wanted to leave. That's the polite way of saying wanted to get the hell out of there and couldn't. And we pulled out our military forces, as you know left those Americans behind. And now the Biden administration wants, you know, they're, they're going to do everything they can. They're going to work really hard um, to try to get them out of there at some point. And Joe Biden, you're going to start to see his poll numbers go up. You know why? Because the media is going to act like you haven't seen exactly what you've seen. What did I say yesterday? I believe on this show and also on the uh, on the Clay and Buck radio show. Give it a week and they'll be telling you what a victory this is. Some of you responded to me with that as soon as I said it. 
And your uh, your immediate rejoinder was, oh, no, it'll be a day. And you're right. I actually gave I gave them too much credit. I gave them too much credit. It it turns out it was going to have to be a day, not a week where they would just start saying, you know, it was it was a good thing that he did that Biden did. He He's excellent. I mean, here's I mean, I almost hesitate to put him on this show for a second. But you know what? I was going to give you some of the analysis. Let's hear actually from Biden first on all of this before we have some of the dumbest people on the left weighing in here. He called this complete debacle. This was in a speech yesterday. Joe Biden said it was an extraordinary success. Play 10. No nation. No nation has ever done anything like it in all of history. The only the United States had the capacity and the will and ability to do it. And we did it today. The extraordinary success of this mission was due to the incredible skill, bravely and selfless courage of the United States military and our diplomats and intelligence professionals. For weeks, they risked their lives to get American citizens, Afghans who helped us, citizens of our allies and partners and others on board planes and out of the country. And they did it facing a crush of enormous crowds seeking to leave the country. I mean, yeah, we we were able to hold the perimeter with the Taliban holding the actual outside perimeter of Kabul airport. And we got people out of this country. Let's understand this from a military perspective. It is because the Taliban chose. And I know this is this is hard to hear. It's hard to say. It is because the uh, the Taliban chose not to execute large numbers of American civilians that they were able to get out in the first place. There would have been very little we would would have been able to do if they had gone that route to stop it from occurring. That would have been very, uh, very challenging for us, even no matter who the commander in chief may have been at that time. Never mind Joe Biden, who increasingly looks frail and out of it and not up for the job. Now, Biden saying this is is a success doesn't surprise me at all because I told you that's what he was going to do. They're going to forget about the process here and focus on the overarching uh, decision to leave. That's something that we can all see coming. And the American people are in favor of the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. It will be fascinating to see if, in fact, this country becomes a hub for international terrorism, because if it doesn't, and we'll have to give this some time, but if it doesn't become a place where jihadists are training for operations all over the world, and it could, I don't know. A lot of people are saying it, it is certain to do so. I mean, here's, here's Leon Panetta, the former Secretary of Defense, former CIA director, Play 7. Well, in 20 years, we've uh, learned a great deal about uh, the Taliban. I, I've never trusted the Taliban, uh, and I don't trust them now. Uh, and so it's going to be... It's going to be a difficult relationship. Uh, Obviously, the CIA uh, will be a very important uh, intermediary here to try to not only deal with the Taliban, but also find out what is happening uh, with the Taliban and terrorism uh, in Afghanistan. Uh, The likelihood is is that the Taliban will provide a safe haven for terrorists uh, in Afghanistan which means that this war is not over, uh, that indeed we'll have to continue to face threats from Afghanistan when it comes to terrorism. Now, I think there's a conflation here of facing threats and the war not being over. A war would be 
the active deployment of soldiers and the constant possibility of violence at the hands of the enemy and having to do constant violence to that enemy. That to me is a war flying an airstrike once every six months that blows up some campsite of ISIS K fighters. I don't think we could call that a war. In fact, if you believe that's a war, we've been at war. We're at war in Pakistan for over a decade. Right. I mean, we've been flying strikes in Yemen, in Pakistan. There, There are airstrikes that happen in Somalia. I mean, any number of places there are airstrikes. So to say that's a war, mm, well, I think that's a bit further than we can go at this point. But are we going to have to go back in and invade Afghanistan fully? Uh, I think the answer, I hope the answer is no. But what do I always tell you? Nobody can really predict the future. I can predict how people will react to events pretty accurately. I can't predict what the events will be. And I tell you that a lot of other people, I mean, the most In my mind, the laziest content you get in the news media is constant prediction and constant uh, uh, people just offering up what they think could happen at some point. Supposition, right? What they think might occur at some point in the future. Okay, well, that can be an interesting part of a discussion, but it shouldn't be the focus of it. Right now, what you're seeing is the transition in the Biden White House and in the Democrat-aligned press corps to all out rewriting of this recent history because the visuals, the Afghans running to grab the gears of a plane, the crush of people at the gates in Kabul, the bodies of our 13 servicemen and women coming home after that suicide bombing attack. The American people remember that. That is seared into our minds. And so the Biden team is going to try to undo that by telling you, see, we made a gutsy call. Well, which is it? Is it a call that they followed through on because of the Trump agreement beforehand? Notice that everything good here, according to them, is the result of Biden. Everything bad is the result of Donald Trump. Play 11. My predecessor had made a deal with the Taliban. When I came into office, we faced a deadline, May 1. The Taliban onslaught was coming. We faced one of two choices. Follow the agreement of the previous administration and extend it to have or extend to have more time for people to get out or send in thousands of more troops and escalate the war. To those asking for a third decade of war in Afghanistan, I ask, what is the vital national interest? In my view, we only have one to make sure Afghanistan can never be used again to launch an attack on our homeland. My predecessor made a deal with the Taliban, he says, and that deal constrained him in his opinion. This is what Biden's saying, because if if they had not gone along with it, then the Taliban would have started attacking U.S. troops. What's interesting, though, is that Biden extended the deadline. So he didn't go along with it. And he is the president, not the former president who I had yesterday on radio and I'll just say, can I just take a moment to say that uh, Clay and I had so much fun talking to President Trump. And the fact that he agreed to let us do the radio show with him for three hours from Mar-a-Lago. I don't know if you heard that on the radio show yesterday, but President Trump says the three of us, Buck, Trump, Clay, are going to do a show, a live radio show on our 440 stations, give or take, across the country. Uh, pretty excited, pretty excited about that.
Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. But anyway, back to Joe Biden and his efforts to destroy America. Uh, yeah, he's saying that it's Trump's fault that there was a timeline, but somehow he extended the timeline anyway. So he's the decider, so to speak, but he's not the decider. He wants the credit, but not the blame. Right? He wants the upside, but not the responsibility. And then on the Americans left behind, because that's also it's not just the optics, the visuals, the perception of what happened here in Afghanistan. There's the reality of Americans who are now fully at the mercy of the Taliban, fully at their mercy. Biden wants you to know, well, at some level, it's kind of their fault because they were told play 12. Since March, we reached out 19 times to Americans in Afghanistan with multiple warnings and offers to help them leave Afghanistan all the way back as far as March. After we started the evacuation 17 days ago, we did initial outreach and analysis and identified around 5,000 Americans who had decided earlier to stay in Afghanistan, but now wanted to leave. Our Operation Allied Rescue ended up getting more than 5,500 Americans out. Yeah, they were told, he's saying. So if they didn't get out, I guess that's supposed to be on them at some level. And what, what a mess this is. Just go down the list. Joe Biden on the economy. Bad on the border. Bad on law enforcement and crime and major cities with increases in shooting. Bad. Where does this guy get it done? By the way, private payrolls increased by only three hundred and seventy four thousand in August. The estimate was six hundred thousand. This is the truth of the Biden presidency. You're going to have to constantly, even if you do, as I do, think Joe Biden is a an imbecile, inept. You're going to constantly have to lower your expectations. It could always be worse. He can always be dumber and make more horrific decisions. Uh, it's because this is what you get when the Democrat media complex elevates a clearly declining in faculties, almost 80 year old who was never even impressive. I mean, Joe Biden wasn't smart. I want to be very clear about this. He wasn't smart in his 40s. So there's no way at almost 80, this is a guy that you want in the commander in chief role. But this is what they've done to us. Anything but Trump, even this over Trump was their attitude. Even this over Trump was uh, acceptable, acceptable to them. Um, it's, it's amazing. And they're all going to be uh, trying to justify this. And does Joe Biden feel the need to explain himself over this beyond just the staring at the prompter and yelling like this, you know, made the right call, tough call. Joe Biden did. Here I am. The Taliban. Going to fight him. Going to put him in a headlock. Give him a noogie. Cause that's what we do here in Joe Biden's White House. We're going to tell him, hey, buddy, remember what I did to Corn Pop back in the day? Yeah, you're darn right. Is he going to take any questions? No. Play 13. I give my word with all of my heart. I believe this is the right decision, a wise decision, and the best decision for America. Thank you. Thank you, and may God bless you all. And may God protect our troops. Let's 
No taking questions. Just just walks out. He's done. He's had enough. Doesn't want to hear it. You can shut your face because Biden has decided that this was great. This was something we can all be proud of. You know what I just did before I came on the show? I uh, put out something on Getter. So if you want to see it, you got to go to Getter because we know big tech monitors us, censors us and deplatforms us. And conservatives have been helpless to do anything about it until now. On Getter, you can talk with friends and family and express your political beliefs without fear of Silicon Valley liberals coming after you. Join Getter, the social media platform that supports free speech and opposes cancel culture. Getter is led by former Trump advisor Jason Miller, who saw what big tech did to President Trump and decided to fight back. Getter is the fastest growing social media platform in history with over 1.6 million users and growing, including conservatives like Mike Pompeo, Steve Bannon and me, Buck Sexton. You guys already know because you're listening who I am, of course, whatever. Join Getter. It's in the App Store, the Google Play Store and at Getter.com. Longer posts, longer videos, sharper and clearer pictures. And unlike the Silicon Valley oligarchs, Getter will never sell your data. Send a message today. Join Getter. It's time to cancel cancel culture. G-E-T-T-R. I just put out a I don't know if we call it a get. I don't know. What we, got. we got to figure out a, a what I'm not sure what it is when you put a, a post. I think it's called a post. But uh, great team of folks over there and uh, looking forward to growing my following on all things Getter. So please do follow me there. Check it out. All right. Uh, there's a a law right now in Texas. I didn't mention this uh, that uh, maybe I mentioned at the very top. But I want to come back to it. But the Supreme Court has not put a stay in effect about the Texas six week fetal heartbeat abortion ban. Now, this is an incredibly important and complicated topic. And let's say let's be very clear about this right now. This is quite literally a matter of life and death. The left has turned abortion into a sacrament of evil. They support this above all other aspects of being a leftist these days. You must you must be pro-abortion. You have to be there. There's no middle ground. You're not allowed to be a Democrat in good standing unless you believe in abortion at any. Let's be very clear. Any point during a pregnancy for any reason whatsoever. No restrictions at all. It is the only right. And as I say, R.I.T.E. Like a satanic one. It is the only right that has zero restrictions allowed. Right. It is an absolute right. How is that even possible? Well, because it's not a right at all. It's not in the Constitution. Certainly not moral. But. They've created this legal fiction of Roe v. Wade, really the beginning of the end of the Supreme Court as in the last hundred years or so, an, an entity that any person can think is something other than a political organ. And on when, earlier today, a Texas state law was allowed to take effect. Now, this is fascinating because the way they've done it shows some real and I, I had to dig deep into this uh, show some real understanding of how this law will play out and, and the whole process. So Texas is arguing the current challenge to the to the law right now uh, that's that's come from pro abortion groups is premature and speculative. And the abortionist challengers do not actually know whether a case is going to be brought against them. There has been no case brought against them yet. 
So that's one aspect of this. But let me give you some more of this. And this is all meant to get to the court looking at and if it has any honesty, any integrity left in it, the Supreme Court will overturn uh, Roe v. Wade and perhaps Casey along with it, or at least modify those decisions in substantial ways. Um, but the Supreme Court could still enjoin the law. Let's be clear. That could still happen, but it hasn't done it yet. And the abortionist lobby is freaking out over it. So that this Texas law allows private plaintiffs to sue abortionists for damages, but it doesn't allow state officials to enforce the law against abortionists. So it essentially deputizes private citizens to go after and sue abortionists. It's not the state doing it. It's the state allowing people themselves to do it. Now, this makes it a lot harder for abortionists to challenge the law, because if they could just sue the state, they know how to do that. That's straightforward. Uh, you, you know who the state of Texas is. You go into court, you do it. And the this is how the abortion lobby usually you know gets their way. And also your attorney's fees are paid by the state as well. Right. So if you win, you also get attorney's fees for sure. But if the abortionists sue or counter sue a private plaintiff who's trying to enforce this law, this Texas state law, they don't get their attorney's fees if they win. So they run up costs. But the private plaintiffs get their attorney's fees if they successfully enforce the law against an abortionist. So it makes it a lot harder for the abortionist to challenge the law, harder for them to get attorney's fees. And if they fail to challenge it, then guess what? They have to comply with the law, which means after six weeks, after a fetal heartbeat or, or after a fetal heartbeat is detected, no more abortions. So this is enormously consequential for the pro-life side. And this is perhaps the turning of the tide right now. We have to see. We don't know what the court is going to do. Uh, we know that the Supreme Court will decide in June of 2022 the Mississippi 15-week ban. And people have thought that that would be the essential vehicle for challenging this. But this, this is moving along very quickly, too, in Texas. This, this matters a lot. Uh, we need for our standing as a country to become a moral country we need to get rid of this abortion uh, lobby and industry. And I know that I'll, I'll just tell you this. It always it saddens me a little bit because it's known even in conservative media that this issue is considered to be a uh, a ratings dropper. You start talking about abortion and people on the right tune out. Even people I'm talking about who are pro-life. They just they don't want to. Oh, it's too much. It's too friends. This matters. This matters. Think of all the babies that could be saved just by this law going into effect for a few months, a few weeks. This is about saving innocent human life. And I know that it's heavy. And I know that it's not something that we all want to wake up first thing in the morning with our coffee and be talking about or thinking about. But the left, they fight for this with satanic ferocity 24-7. They never let up. And that's why they've gotten their way for so long. And that's why there's been the mass slaughter of the unborn for decades. Are we going to do something about this? Are we finally going to have our voices heard? Will we become a country that is no longer godless in its sacrifice of the unborn for modern convenience? That's the question that is posed right now. And it's one that I hope 
is answered by the Supreme Court with a resounding strike down of either Roe or Casey or this fake constitutional right to abortion can no longer be allowed to persist. And that's where we are. This is going to be a huge fight. The left is more emotionally and psychologically dug in on this issue than possibly any other. That's where we are. All right, let's go on to a bit of um, COVID stuff here <laughs> from from that heavy topic to COVID, although at least with COVID, we can make fun of the idiot libs. Here you have uh, the governor of Pennsylvania, the one who you know changed the laws. The Democrats could win the uh, election in that state in 2020. Here's Tom Wolf saying statewide mask mandate for students and staff grades K through 12 play 14. Wearing a mask in school is necessary to keep our children in the classroom and to keep COVID out of that classroom. So to that end, the Department of Health is directing all early learning and child care and K through 12 private and public schools across the country, across the state to require students and staff to wear masks when they're indoors. Everyone's got to wear masks because that's really going to work so well. They don't care what the drawbacks are. They don't care what the uh, psychological implications for this are. You got you got to just comply. That's all they care about. Comply or else bend the knee or else. This is where we are. This is the circumstance in which we find ourselves. It's very, very frustrating. Um, I, I don't know. Look, I'm just going to tell you this straight up. We are heading for a winter of not only vaccine mandates in schools across the country, not everywhere, but in a lot of places. But we're heading for a winter of, um, I believe, N95 mandates, too. You're going to start to have places that demand surgical N95 masks, which are really uncomfortable, really hard to breathe. But it saves lives. But it saves lives. That's what they're going to say. And we'll have to sit there and say, you total lunatics. How much longer are you going to ruin life for the rest of us? How much longer are you going to make everyone miserable because you cannot face the fear of death itself that all of us live with every single day? There are no guarantees. And if you think the state can guarantee your safety, you're a fool. The state can definitely take away your freedom. It cannot guarantee your safety. Virginia Tech has kicked out 134 students already this year for being unvaxxed. Other places, I'm sure, have already done the same thing. And they busted a woman for traveling to Hawaii for her fake vaccine card. You got another person who was being prosecuted for selling, I think, over 100 fake vaccine cards. They're going to start really enforcing that. But even more than the enforcement against the fake cards, what you will see is the digital vaccine passport craze. It's going to get even bigger. You're going to have an ID. They're already doing this in Canada. Your national, your digitized national ID is now being tied to your vaccine status. Uh, we, we are rapidly turning into authoritarian China in many ways in this country, and people don't even see it. And those who could do something about it in some states are choosing not to because it's not it's not enough for them to fail or rather it's not enough for them to avoid their own mandate. They have to create protections from mandates because otherwise the mandates are coming for all of us. This is why there's already movement. The Florida Florida State Assembly, a Florida State House, uh, they're looking to 
they don't come back in until January, but they are looking to do, I've been talking to people involved in that process, a private employer vaccine protection. They're, th- they're trying to come up with how they would put it forward. And do they have the votes for it? Until you have that, until you have freedom on offense, we are just biding our time until they make us all not just get the shot, but another one and then another one. You're going to be living in a Fauciite dystopia. It's going to be two years in, in uh, March, my friends, for the lockdowns. Two years. It's going to be here before you know it. Does it ever end? Does it ever go away? Only if we make it. They are perfectly happy to continue to control and immiserate us for as long as it takes for full compliance, not just on vaccines, on everything. They are remaking American society right now. They are changing our mass psychology. This notion of freedom, of individual rights, of autonomy, that's all going away. They're chipping away at it day in and day out. They're making real progress. And what do we have on our side? People who think, oh, that's not my problem. I live in a red state. Oh, that's not my problem. I'm a governor of a red state state who's completely beholden to corporate interests and is a phony. Oh, that's not my problem. I'm in the Congress and we don't have a majority, right? This is the attitude that the right has. Meanwhile, the left is just thinking, what can we do to get more? How do we get more power? How do we get more control? They are relentless. We want to be left alone. The problem is the relentless will keep harassing those who wish to be left alone until we make them stop. It's not enough to say, will they ever be normal? Will they ever stop being so crazy? And then on to some lighter fare for a second. A pumpkin spice beer. Producer Mark, can we get you to try the latest uh, pumpkin spice beer from Bud Light? I'm sorry, it's a pumpkin spiced spiked seltzer. And I feel like you are my my uh, my alcoholic seltzer connoisseur. I'm not a big pumpkin person, but I guess I'll try it. My wife likes that stuff. Well, can we get Mrs. Mark to try the pumpkin spice Bud Light seltzer and tell me if it's uh, if it's worth giving a shot to? Sure. I mean, you know, it it is gluten free. You're allowed to try it, too. That's a fair point. I was thinking it was a beer because it's Bud Light, but I guess I can try it. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll buy a six pack and I'll bring one into you. Nice man. Okay, we could do that. Make sure I do it after the show, though, or else to be like, yeah, I want to yeah. fight. I want to fight. Biden's a moron. I want to fight all the libs. Well, I mean, you know? I'll give it to you before the show. What you do with it is up to you. That's a fair. That's yeah. a fair move. Yeah. But if I have too many, uh, too many beers, you know, I'm just gonna be yelling about how Joe is a moron. And actually, that's kind of like what I do anyway. So maybe yeah, that might be entertaining. It might actually be pretty fun doing a drunk radio show as long as we had somebody on the drop button who could make the stuff that I really can't say disappear in time would be super fun. It would be like a high wire act because yeah. I would say the things that I say to you off air that that are funny and that are insightful, but would get me an FCC violation. Yeah, maybe we do that for the podcast. Maybe that's more of a podcast thing. Yeah, maybe not on the big radio show. I but think we're the rest of the some... staff will have a heart attack if you do that on the radio show. That is a fair point. Well, anyway, pumpkin spice spiked seltzer out there and everyone goes, oh, I love pumpkin spice, whatever. You do, you don't, up to you. See, because we believe in freedom here on this show. We believe in freedom. And uh, that's going to be it for me today. Thanks so much for being here. Please make sure you're a subscriber to the Buck Saxon Show podcast. Don't just listen on one-off. Subscribe, then it will always come into your podcast feed. And also become a supporter 
at bucksaxton.locals.com. That's bucksaxton.locals.com. Producer Mark, back with you tomorrow. Shields high, everybody.